0: I invite you to turn in the word of the Lord to the gospel of Matthew, to Matthew chapter 13. As I mentioned, we're beginning a series. We'll return at some point to 2 Samuel. The series is looking at the parables of Jesus. And so it's worth asking from the outset, what is a parable? A parable is a story that is designed to communicate spiritual or moral truth. In that way, it's sort of similar to maybe what I trust many of us are familiar with, Aesop's fables, where you have, for instance, the story of the tortoise and the hare. But the difference is, of course, the parables have as their author, not Aesop, but As the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And so the content that they communicate is of the deepest importance and of unquestionable authority. That sets them apart from all the other fables from which we learn from in the world. Now, as we consider this subject tonight, we're not going to look at one parable in particular. We're going to rather have an introduction to the purpose of parables. How do we approach this section of Scripture? What do we do when we encounter parables in the Bible? How do we listen to them and profit from them? And to draw our attention to that very concern, look with me at Matthew chapter 13. Give attention to the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 10. Jesus speaking here. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has... And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Let's ask the Lord to help us to hear in the right way. Let's pray together. O oh, Heavenly Father, whose law is perfect, converting the soul, a sure testimony, giving wisdom to the unlearned and enlightening the eyes, we humbly beg of you, Father, that through your boundless goodness, you would please enlighten our blind intellect, that you would shed light into our dark souls, that you would please lead us and guide us in true understanding of the scriptures. Even as we read in this passage a certain warning that there are many who hear only outwardly, we pray that you would please hear our prayer, help us to receive your truth appropriately, sincerely. And we ask in order that we may do so, that you would work to bless us by your Holy Spirit this evening. We ask this, knowing that you receive and answer our prayers through the power, through the worth of our Savior Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. It's an obvious statement, but Jesus could have spoken much more straightforwardly than he often did. He could have spoken more prosaically, just set aside all of the stories and the word pictures. There are people who speak that way. There are teachers who teach that way. And yet that is not the way that Jesus is. But it's very apparent in the Gospels that there were times when the disciples wished that perhaps he had done so more often, that he would speak very plainly to them without all of these stories. In fact, you can sense some of the exasperation of his disciples. In John 16, verse 29, it says his disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. They were refreshed for once that they just understood exactly what Jesus was saying. Now, this had nothing to do with the fact of Jesus being a poor communicator. He knew exactly what he was doing. You see this all throughout the Gospels, how frequently he speaks in parables. In fact, the Gospels contain more than 20 different parables, This is clearly a strategic part of his earthly ministry to speak to us by way of these spiritual stories. And so it's worth asking the question why? In fact, that's exactly the question in our text that the disciples want to know. Why do you speak to us in parables? And we're going to see tonight that the purpose of the parables is both to hide and to show, they conceal and they reveal in order that those who desire the kingdom would seek earnestly and then discover and savor what God has placed within these stories. They are a precious part of scripture, but they are one that requires more attention than some other areas of the word. And so as we consider this subject together tonight, we're going to look at parables under two main headings. We're going to look at them first in terms of how they conceal the secrets of the kingdom how they conceal the secrets of the kingdom, and a little bit of why that is, and then also how they reveal the secrets of the kingdom to those who are spiritually seeking them by grace. I'll mention each of those headings as we come to them again, but first, before we come to these main headings, consider something briefly with me. Consider the content of the parables. They are all connected together. They have different emphases But essentially, they are all getting at the same thing. They are getting at the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. We see that in verse 11. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven. What do you see talking about here? The word secrets here, some English translations will use mysteries. And that is not altogether clear either. But at least I can say this. The Greek word being translated here, from which we get the English word mystery, has to do with something that was hidden but which now is more revealed than it was maybe totally revealed or maybe being revealed you think of an object behind a piece of glass and that glass is fairly dirty and you can make it out a little bit but then you wash over it once and now you have a mystery that's how the greek word use, uses that term it's something which was hidden which is being revealed Now, when it says that these are the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, all of the parables are communicating to us something about the way that the Lord rules over his people in the gospel. And this has a context. For centuries upon century, God's people had been organized nationally. They had a king who had a duty, for instance, to wage very violent war at times, And so is the kingdom of Christ in this era one where we advance the concerns of the gospel in identical ways? Is it going to be structured in the same way? What sort of people does God desire to be in positions of leadership? Who are citizens of the kingdom? All of the parables get at these questions more clearly revealing to the people of God the realities of participation in Christ's kingdom. That's the basic content of the parables And so we can't treat them like they're just moral lessons. You can't benefit from them just by being a person in the world who wants to learn how to be a better person. This is the content. But then we need to consider together as our first main heading the fact that Jesus says they conceal the secrets in certain ways. They actually, in some respects, hide the truth and make it more difficult to access the things that the Lord was revealing to his people We need to consider how they do that and why they do that. Now I want you to call to mind something. I hope you have had the experience of what I'm about to describe. If not, you certainly have the opportunity to go seek this out and discover it, children in particular. There's a fancy name for what I am about to describe. I didn't know the name until this week. I only knew it by its popular name. It is an auto-stereogram. An auto stereogram in the 1990s when these first became popular. They went under the brand name 3D Eye Pictures. And now I see heads nod. 3D Eye Pictures. These were the images. You could buy a whole book of them, and the page would look like some kind of pattern, some illustration. And then you stare at it, and the book came with instructions. You were supposed to kind of cross your eyes and look through the book, look beyond the book, and your brain would do something amazing it would synchronize patterns embedded within the image, and suddenly it would seem as though an image pops out in 3D. The Lord has made your brain wonderfully. And here, the auto-stereogram invites an opportunity where on the one level you've got the superficial picture. Anybody can appreciate that of itself. They're often very pretty. But then on another level, if you look at it with appropriate attentiveness, with the right focus then surprising, exciting things become visible to you. Somewhat like that, the parables have a way of concealing within them spiritual realities. Now think how many people have picked up those seeing eye books, the 3D eye books, and they become frustrated after five or ten minutes. They haven't seen. I remember I I had the benefit of having one of these books as a 12-year-old and having endless time And looking at it and coming back to it, I still didn't see it, still didn't see it. Maybe a week after, oh, now I see it now. Even to this day, I'm 36 years old. I can pick one up and they just pop out. I have eyes to see them now. But I didn't at one point. How many people picked one up and became frustrated and just got rid of it? Or they just appreciated the pretty pattern of itself superficially. That is how many people related in Jesus' own day to the parables. They went out to hear Jesus tell a story, but they didn't peer into it. They did not seek in reliance upon the Spirit. God, what are you saying to us? How do you desire us to believe and to live? How many people become frustrated with the parables because some of them are admittedly hard to interpret, and they just shelve them and move on to some other part of the Scripture that's much more straightforward? Look what Jesus says in verse 13. Verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand, and you will indeed see but never perceive, for this people's heart has grown dull. In this sense, the very format of a parable was something of a judgment upon people who were spiritually indifferent to the kingdom. In this way, the very format of it exposed their indifference to these realities. And parables continue to do that to this day. How many people have access to the word, and yet when they come to the parts that are hard to understand, they just discard them. And the Lord uses the parables to expose and sometimes to humble us, to check our attitude with how we relate to the scriptures. Verse 15, look with me there. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Very often we focus on those aspects of Christ's ministry and teachings which show him to be tremendously compassionate. And he is. But on the other hand, here he's saying very plainly that the parables in their very nature were something of a divine judgment. That they're very... Not everything in the Bible is laid out on the lowest level. God has made a decision. And here, many of the people who heard Jesus were hearing promises of the gospel, but they didn't even perceive them. And yet he says that this was a judgment because their hearts had already grown dull. And so they have a way of concealing. Recognize who Jesus is talking about here. Very sadly, it's talking about the people who are part of the visible church of that time the covenant community. He's not talking about the world out there. He's talking to the very people who professed to be descendants of Abraham, inheritors of the promises. And for that reason, when we approach the parables, we come to them with a certain, I suppose, uh, an understanding that we not be found among those who are indifferent to them. That we slow down, that we tap the brakes a little bit, And we be certain that we hear them not just intellectually, but that we say, Lord, please change my heart. That's what the Lord was saying here. He's not saying they were thick. They just didn't get it. He's saying their hearts were dull. And so as we examine these parables over the next several weeks, it's very important. This is not an intellectual exercise. This is not just book reports on interesting things in the Bible. It very much requires something of you. It requires that you, by God's help, would prepare, that you would ready your heart to be receptive to the word. Otherwise, these teachings will be concealed. And even if you get them outwardly, intellectually, and can explain them, they won't have their proper effect upon you. So this is the first aspect that we look at. The parables have a way of concealing kingdom truths. But they also reveal, sometimes in extremely exciting ways, And for you younger ones especially, there is delight ahead of you because the parables are some of the most rich and wonderful areas of all of the Scripture. When you really envision the things that Jesus is describing, and then when that becomes connected with the truths that he is illustrating, they are tremendously beneficial. It's, again, like that 3D eye picture. They have a way of suddenly popping out, and truth becomes vivid. It becomes three-dimensional. And the Lord would bless us in that way then. So this brings us to our second main heading. How do they reveal the kingdom of heaven to us? How do they reveal these secrets? I would wager that within this congregation right now, there are quite a few people, especially among some of you. In fact, I don't have a wager. I see one right here. People wearing Velcro. Velcro has not always existed. Where did it come from? In the 1940s, there was an engineer who was traveling through Jura, Switzerland, and as he was out hunting, he noticed that he was becoming covered in what are called cockle burrs. They're fairly large seed pods that are just covered all over with little hooks. And he noticed they were all on his pants, all over his dog's fur. And he decided to examine them very closely to figure out how are they connecting, and that gave him the idea, and he went and founded Velcro. And then you think, what do the function of all those little hooks that connect to things, what's what's their function? They don't exist for themselves. Why did God make them that way? He made them that way in order to transmit seeds all over the place. They don't exist for themselves. Even so, the parables are not simply pretty stories. They're not just good literature, though many people do study them only as that. Unbelievers teach classes at universities on the parables. But that's not the function of itself, to just be literature. What the Lord has done is surround spiritual truths, the living seed. He has surrounded them with characters with lively images that have a way of embedding themselves in our memory and our imagination and that's a wonderful thing the lord knows how we work as human beings he made us and one parable has the power to affix itself to velcro itself into your memory often more than a thousand pages of systematic theologies doesn't mean that those thousand pages aren't valuable But I know that there are people in this church who have read literally thousands and thousands of pages of systematic theology. And if we were to walk up to them and ask, you know, can you describe what is, you know, on this section and tell me about superlapsarianism versus infralapsarianism from the perspective of this theologian at that time, and they'll say, I know I read it, but I can't remember. But then I could walk up to virtually anyone in this congregation, I do hope, and say, tell me a little bit about the parable of the sower. Tell me a little bit about the widow who lost a coin. Tell me a little bit about the person who built a house on the sand. Christ, with great wisdom for our sake, placed tremendous, powerful, living truths within these shells that are so memorable, so emotive. And they go with you wherever you go. You may find yourself thinking about the parables at any time as you dwell on them, as they become a part of your life. That's one of the tremendous blessings here. And when they are connected to good soil, they grow. Look with me at verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance In the same context, Jesus will go on to speak, as we're going to see in a later week. The having here is about having the right soil, spiritually attuned to the things of God, receiving with humility and faith what he would have to say. And if you have a heart to receive, note here, he's not talking about great brain power, huge educations. The one who has a heart of humility that says, Lord, give me the life that will come through the truth, They will have an abundance. And this is a wonderful thing for how the Lord communicates to his people. Moreover, the parables in their very nature often create in us, God works through them to create the very emotions we should have about the truth. They don't just communicate true doctrine, they communicate the appropriate way we should respond to the doctrine. I mentioned the story of the widow with the lost coin and if you know the story at all she's searching and searching and searching and she finally finds the coin and it says that she calls up all of her friends to celebrate this must have been some valuable coin and she was very poor and she wants them to know i found it come celebrate with me and you can't talk about that parable and make the connection to the delight of possessing what god has given to us which for a time maybe in your very own life, seems so hidden to not know the gospel and then to have it and to want to share this news with other people. The parables, by God's help, form in us the very feelings we ought to have. And that's wonderful. One aside from that, I want to address those who have some aspiration, some hope of being skilled communicators of the gospel and of the word. And I'm not speaking right now of necessarily some future minister. Maybe you want to be a Sunday school teacher someday. Maybe you want to teach your own children well. Maybe you want to have conversations with unbelieving friends of yours or family. It's very important that we learn from Jesus not just true doctrine, but that we learn also how he speaks. Now notice... Here At this stage in his ministry, the fact that he doesn't explain the parables at that point to everyone was something of a judgment. And yet he did explain them to the disciples. He didn't just give them the parables. He also explains. We're going to see that in parables of sower. He would then explain it to them. And when you speak with others, you could just talk to them about the facts of the truth. You will discover it is much more effective when you also appeal to the imagination, not only to the intellect, that we learn how to speak in the way that Jesus speaks in order that we might, in that way, kind of till the soil. It is God who does the work, of course. But this says something about how we should speak and what we would look for, I'll add as well, in future pastors, future elders and teachers, that they are not just Pez dispensers of predicates They've got to communicate with the heart of real human beings. So the Lord has spoken to us and revealed truth in these wonderful ways. By way of conclusion, what I simply want to do is invite you to respond in three very concrete ways. And these responses can obtain whenever you are reading the parables. It's not simply for tonight. How does the Lord call you to respond to the parables as a part of scripture? The first is this. Give sincere thanks to the Lord for having access to them. That doesn't have to be a reality. I mean, even to this very day, there are people who don't have the scriptures in their language. There are people who, for one reason or another, will be in a church that will never preach on the parables. There are people who don't have a copy of the scriptures. I remember receiving a copy of the scriptures for the first time when I was 10 from a a believing relative. I had never had a Bible before. And in this city of five and a half million people, how many children are there who have never even heard that parables exist or what they are? Give thanks to the Lord for having these things. Even as Jesus says in verse 17, look with me. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. That doesn't mean they weren't believers. That they didn't have faith. That they were completely bereft of understanding. But they were looking through a glass dimly. The Lord has given you such treasures. That we often take it for granted. And we read the parables like they are just obvious. And they were not. And so we give thanks. As it says in verse 11. To you it has been given to know the secrets And yet, as we've already seen, that also makes us more accountable. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, To whom much is given, much shall be required. And so if we hear the parable, for instance, of the woman finding the coin, and then we go out and we don't speak to anyone about the gospel ever, and we don't rejoice, are we not more accountable, more responsible The Lord calls us then to strive to be spiritually attentive to have healthy soil and that requires dependence upon the Lord. We say, God, change me. And he will. As we believe that, you should have every expectation that when you seek good things the Lord desires in Christ's name, you will have them. He calls us to hear not only outwardly but inwardly with the ear of faith. And finally, if you find yourself Profiting from the parables spiritually, give thanks for that especially. You have them outwardly, that's a blessing. But if you have found yourself to be benefited in the parables, where does that come from? Verse 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. As Jesus went about performing miracles, those were signs of the kingdom. It wasn't just, we have to make, that's a careful distinction here. If Jesus had come into the world simply to be a humanitarian, he wouldn't have bothered preaching. He would have just gone around healing all the time. In fact, at times, he intentionally avoids crowds and does not do all the miracles that he might have done. They were signs of the kingdom. And we have great hope, of course, that they were signs of the fact that there will be full bodily restoration and health in the age to come. But they are also signs of the spiritual realities he who had power to open physical eyes to restore hearing to the deaf he is the one who opens our eyes if you have believed on Jesus Christ ought we not at times when it hits us to be like that man who goes back and tells everyone he healed me he's given me sight the parables as we profit from them should lead us to that Why don't we do that even now? Why don't we thank the Lord? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the treasures that you have given to us in the word. We ask that you would help us in the coming weeks to plumb them with expectation of finding riches. We pray that you would help us to savor the truths of your kingdom, to desire to grow, We pray on behalf of any who are dull of heart that you would please soften them. Father, we ask that you would please give us the character that we need to be the people that you desire and deserve. For we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.